0: and welcome to Sarah Petroni. I am Mark Petroni, host of the Mark Petroni Show on Saga 960 AM. I am joined by Richard Sarat, my colleague at uh, Saga 960 AM. His his show can be listened to from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. every day. Well, from Mondays through Fridays. Mine is on in the mornings from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern. And we do this segment together because it's a hell of a lot of fun. Richard, <laughs> Hey, welcome. Mark. Thank you, buddy. Great new opening! I love it. <laughs> hey, you know, I actually composed that piece of music. I played it. Really? I mean, yes, absolutely, man. This—I don't want to pay anybody else for a piece of music. I mean, and the stuff you get for free is crap. So <laughs> it's all crap. It's crap, I tell you. <laughs> fat bat—that's a good imitation of fat bastard. <laughs> all right, can we talk about uh, this uh, idea by the block? And they do, they do have some doozies on occasion. Here's one. Uh, no unvaccinated conservative MPs should be allowed in the House. This is Yves Francois Blanchette of the Bloc. This is the story in the Globe and Mail pushes for unvaccinated conservative MPs to stay home from Parliament. You have no business here just because you've been elected. What gives you the right to come to Parliament? This is uh, truly something. It's a
1: cult. It's a cult. Um, I think he's disqualified himself from, you know, any civil conversation. Why are we de- Why are we listening to this blockhead, uh, <laughs> who is nothing more than a, you know, a traitor? So maybe we should, you know, exclude parliamentarians from the House of Commons who who you know will not swear an oath of fealty to the Queen, and then we can be rid of this menace. Uh, But, you know, again, yeah, you can't you can't exclude. We have we have a 800 years of parliamentary tradition. It's a representative democracy. And if you're going to exclude people and prevent them from representing their constituents, then you don't have a parliament. Maybe he should look that up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why don't they exclude all MPs who have an IQ? Under triple digits, I, but I, I don't think they would be down to three or four <laughs> in the entire house. Um, it's pretty pretty sad. But the fact that he would come up with this, uh, I guess it should be nobody's surprise. I mean, look what's the situation in Quebec. I mean, it is as draconian as it gets in terms of imposing a vaccine vaccine pass. Of course, now there's one in Ontario, and pretty much there, there's no escape from these things uh, anywhere in the country. But one thing that Justin Trudeau omitted uh, in his last statements to the press about uh, about vaccination passports as they apply to members of the civil... service, Actually, mandatory vaccination, really, for uh, anybody who works for the federal government. Now he's uh, omitted the deadline on that. And one of the questions from one of the reporters was, that, well, are you prepared to lay off literally thousands of for workers? Do you know that there are over 300,000 federal government workers affected by this law? this mandatory vaccination, Richard. And uh, a lot of them may decide, well, you know what? I'll take the hit. I will not take the vax. And uh, if you want to lay me off, then go ahead and do so. But some of these people may end up losing their job. I mean, if they feel strongly about the idea of of having vaccine choice.
1: Richard. Well, it's it's, it's a game of chicken now, right? So in Quebec, there was something like 20,000 nurses uh, that are on the block. (laughs) On the block, no pun intended. If they don't take the uh, if they don't take the jab, you have seventy thousand nurses and other health, uh, nurses, paramedics, and other healthcare workers in New York uh, that are about to be fired. Seventy thousand. And um, who 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 would have thought, Mark, that when they got rid of um, Cuomo, Governor Andrew Cuomo, they'd get somebody worse? This woman is the devil. Uh, you know, did you see her standing up in front of this, uh, this, like this congregation, instead of wearing a crucifix, she's wearing a vaccinated, um, uh, necklace that says vaccinated. And she's talking about how you, you are my apostles go out there and spread the word. Uh, and, and, you know, um, God wants you to be vaccinated. This woman is an absolute cult leader. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that the, the these, these things are going on, but who, it's a game of chicken. Who's going to blink first? Now we have unions popping up all over the place, police unions, TTC unions, uh, members saying we're not going to take the jab. How are you going to replace 70,000 um, health care workers in New York? They want to bring in the National Guard.
0: Uh, and then, of course, you've got uh, Joe Biden, the fake president of the United States, saying he wants to see like 97, 98 percent of Americans vaccinated and Only then will we beat back COVID-19, despite the fact that people who are vaccinated are, in fact, spreading it. And I raised this issue about the view, of course. I mean, wow. We had a couple of people on the set, hosts, co-hosts of that show, who had been fully vaxxed, escorted off the set, Richard, because Kamala Harris was coming in. And guess what? These two co-hosts of that show were found to be COVID-19 positive. And so here's here we have fully vaxxed individuals taken off the set because her staff, Kamala Harris's staff, was afraid that these vaccinated hosts would spread covid to the vice president. I mean, what kind of a message does that send to all people who are vaccinated? I mean, it it clearly doesn't protect you. No, they call them breakthrough cases
1: as if. You know, the, the language is very interesting. It's if it's it's a very rare occurrence. Look what's happening in Israel. The majority of people now dying of COVID and hospitalized for COVID are vaccinated. Even in Australia, when they give their daily case numbers and hospitalizations, they leave it to the very end. They tell you the age of the number, or they tell you the number of people in hospital, the age, the different age groups. And then finally at the very end, they say, and 95% were vaccinated. They just kind of mumble that at the end. Uh, this is clearly not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So, what they're doing, we we see the game they're playing out in Alberta. So the uh, the previous premier Rachel Notley, she cut hospital beds and ICU something like twenty five percent. Then they um, so they ration healthcare and they ration the number of beds, and then they um, they inflate artificially inflate the number of COVID cases. We saw Hinshaw on, uh, on TV actually saying out loud uh, that we will count anybody at home who is at home sick, who hasn't been tested as a COVID case. Even if you've got a, uh, a tooth infection, you'll be, it'll be a COVID case. So they're inflating artificially the COVID cases. They're rationing healthcare. care. Uh, they're putting a, a, a deliberate squeeze. They're creating a crisis and then blaming the unvaccinated. I Unbelievable. mean, Unbelievable. We know they're playing this silly game. And we know they're lying. They know they're lying. They know that we know they're lying. We know that they know that we know that they're lying
0: and still they're lying. Yeah, I I just uh, read a story out of Alberta from somebody in the bought off media who seemed to take this kind of sadistic glee in the fact that a few dozen people had died, uh, apparently of COVID. So we're told, I mean, were these people the average age of a COVID victim, 86 years old? Did they have two or more comorbidities? heart disease, uh, cancer. I mean, I see what you're saying about the constant inflating of these numbers in order to perpetuate fear. These people are pushing fear porn with the help of their media. But uh, before we go much further with this one, I got to ask you about the fallout from this uh, boring election that we just had. I know you just spoke with Maxime Bernier, who tripled his uh, vote count. Still no seats. Meantime, we have a, uh, a prime minister who garnered all of 32% of the popular vote and ended up with the lion's share of the seats, well, 46% of the, of, the, of the seats. And so clearly he doesn't like, he doesn't want any change. Here's the same guy who promised to end first past the post, Richard, and, well, he certainly never did that, and why would he? I mean, he's the, stand, he's the guy who stands to gain the most. But I'm also hearing that Aaron O'Toole, the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, is looking around, and rather than accepting any blame at all for what happened, for the loss, he's blaming everybody else, from firearms, uh, rights people, to uh, you know, unvaccinated conservatives out there, to people who don't want a carbon tax. It's everybody else's fault but Aaron O'Toole's. What happened to the buck stops here? Richard, what <laughs> right. happened to leaders willing to accept the blame and the responsibility for failure? What happened? Clearly, the conservatives don't have such a leader right now.
1: No. So, just continuing in this fine conservative tradition of crapping all over their base—the people that volunteer, the people that donate, the people that you know organize—yeah. Um, and, and and this is why they they won't get elected because. They don't have a leader with a spine. They don't have a leader with a moral compass. They don't have a leader uh, that actually believes in something. Uh, he will say anything to anyone at any time if he thinks they can get him a vote. And then once you know he's in, when, once he's uh, anointed as leader, he just turns around and does the exact opposite. I mean, he's just—it's a, a total crap show. It's a total disaster with this guy. Uh, I mean, he didn't do any better than Andrew Scheer. Um, and um, I know that there's a, a number of petitions now floating around. I think they, they outnumber the petitions to keep him on, or the number of signatures are like double or triple uh, those uh, th- that want to keep him on. So I think his days are numbered.
0: Well, I'm hearing that, in fact, he's going to double down on this idea of pushing lefty policies. Uh, he wants a, a climate change policy that is a lot tougher than the one they tabled, this uh, carbon levy. Well, he wants to go much harder on that. So all the things that the Liberals talk about that the bought-off media parrots, well, now he's all in on that. And so the fact that there are Conservatives who didn't vote for him last time, many of them stayed home. Some of them, quite a few, I I would gather. I mean, if you look at Max Bernier's count, uh, voted for the PPC. And so I would suggest to you that if, uh, if Aaron O'Toole wants to go the same direction and the party decides to keep this bozo around for yet another beating, that uh, we, we might see a, a Max Bernier that, in fact, does win seats around you know, next time around. If there's an election, say, 18 months from now, as Prime Minister Trudeau suggests, there might be. Who knows? Bernier may win his seat and the party may do a lot better. If they triple their, their seat count or their vote count, rather, next time around... Who knows? I mean, you spoke with Max. What's your sense of what he had to say about this?
1: I think he's seriously considering running in another seat, maybe out in Alberta. He indicated that that's certainly negotiable and it's on the table, something he would look at. Um, so I, I agree. And I think um, I think the local media, not the national media, but the local media, wherever he went, is starting to warm, not warm to the People's Party, but they're at least they're giving him a fair shake. They're they're. Uh, if you look at the meet, the local media coverage, it, it, it's far more uh, fair, unbiased when dealing with the People's Party. So uh, I think that's a, that's a positive. I think if he if he chooses to run in another party, I think he could or another uh, part of the uh, country, I think he get elected. Uh, and And getting back to Aaron O'Toole. Yeah, I, actually, as you sort of um, frame it in that way, I hope he does stay on because I would love to see the Conservative Party just absolutely decimated. You know, back to the old, do you remember when they had two seats? Yeah, oh, I remember. Jean Jean Charest and Elsie Wayne. And Elsie Wayne. Elsie
0: Wayne from St. John. I love her. Back to the future. Let's bring back those days. Man, she was tough as nails. Imagine that caucus. A (laughs) two-seat car could fill Right now you've got the, what, the minivan caucus in Ontario of liberals? And uh, I don't know. I see that uh, Doug Ford is occasionally talking conservative again. It must be getting close to election time. He saw what a debacle the, the O'Toole uh, strategy was. And so I would suspect that he's going to start sounding and you know talking and talking more like a conservative. But it's hard to see him getting much, having much credibility after the way he's handled the pandemic and just flat out lying about the vax pass and bringing that in in Ontario. And yet uh, we're actually not that far from an Ontario election, Richard. Uh, yeah, what is it? About maybe eight, nine
1: months? Yeah. <laughs> well, people have a very short memory. Very short memory. You know, fool me 900 times, shame <laughs> on me. <laughs> what else you got on your dance card, friend? Um, every Wednesday, we push back against uh, the climate change cult. And uh, Tony Heller joins me from Real Science Climate. Wow, great guy. He is, he's terrific. And uh, just, just does a wonderful job, totally you know, deconstructing and destroying the, uh, the climate change narrative. We were talking about this um, author. Um, he's an eco terrorist, basically. He wrote a book called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. And he's advocating for violence and, you know, willful destruction and, and, and terrorism. He was invited onto the New Yorker magazine's uh, weekly podcast uh, and you know, they gave him this platform to advocate for violence. Uh, and that we need to, you know, destroy uh, pipelines and infrastructure and blow them up if necessary. So, you know, this is becoming normalized now. And this is a part, again, part of the cult. Um, and when I saw the um, uh, this posted on Twitter, the fact that he'd been on the podcast and I saw the comments, you know, the, the number of people that were in support of this, it's, it's actually quite disturbing. I mean, uh, it's,
0: it, it's frightening what's happening. And speaking of cult, the Toronto Star now hinting, Richard, that that lucrative Huawei 5G network rollout is, in fact, that proposed is actually going to go to Huawei. Of course, our Five Eyes partners that now are the Three Eyes, that's a Canada seems to be on the outs, they seem to have known something was up because all of a sudden we're getting the Toronto Star, which is basically an extension of Liberal Party communications uh, infrastructure. Seems to be hinting that uh, Justin Trudeau is about to give the go-ahead to Huawei's 5G 5G rollout. I mean, that has been warned about as a security risk to Canada. We know that China spied on and destroyed Nortel and stole much of you know through corporate espionage uh, much of the technology that Nortel had. They decimated and gutted a great Canadian company. And now what? We've got to pay the Chinese for a 5G network, a courtesy of Huawei, after all this stuff with Meng Wanzhou. I don't know, I hope it doesn't happen, but I smell a rat here. I think, I think Trudeau's about to give them that big fat contract. I agree with you, it
1: wouldn't surprise me in the least. He is so compromised, and as are many federal politicians, so compromised at this point. Uh, the, the total communist Chinese infiltration in this country, I think it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty well complete. I don't know how we can roll this back at this point. Uh, but you're right, uh, you know, to uh, to give Huawei the the 5G uh, contract is um, it's just an invitation for abuse. But again, this is, this is part of, he sees China as the blueprint uh, f- for where he'd like to see Canada go. So we shouldn't be surprised.
0: In the meantime, the Aussies, the Brits, and the Americans see Justin Trudeau as a potential security risk, and they're keeping them, keeping him as far from the out of the loop as is humanly possible on anything important, like, you know, trying to contain military expansion by the Chinese. No wonder they didn't want anything to do with Justin Trudeau when they formed their little uh, three eyes. I mean, uh, hardly a surprise, but, what? man, we've really gone down a dark road with this prime minister. Well, let's hope this is rock bottom, but I'm not (laughs) convinced how much further do we have to fall at this point? Who knows? Thank you, Richard. It's been a lot of fun, as always. My pleasure. anytime. All right, Richard Serrett. Catch Richard's show. It's terrific. He's got the best show on, well, the second best show on Saga 960. (laughs) I have to close that before I, uh, somebody's trying to reach me. All right, let's try that again. Anyway, uh, my show, I'm only kidding, of course, Richard has a terrific show in the afternoon, he absolutely does. And uh, my show is on from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern. And that's it for this edition of sarah Petroni. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now.